What's up guys? Welcome back for season two, episode two. I have a very special guest here with me today, Miss Rochelle Royale. Thank you so much for coming, Rochelle. It's so good to see you. Thank you for having me. Hi, you guys. What's up? It has been quite a while since I've seen you guys. I know Rochelle from the red carpet scene. I used to actually interview her on the red carpet quite a few times, and she was always so personable and had such a great story to tell. So I'm so excited to actually sit here and talk with you one-on-one. -on -one. Because red carpets are so fast, you know? It's true. And it's so therapeutic to get real and talk about what we're really going through. Right. And living in LA is super intense. So this is like therapy for me. I'm really excited to yes. do this, especially with a fellow woman. Yes. No, we're going to get super real here. We're going to talk about everything. And it's a very special day, guys. It's 2 2 2 2 on a Tuesday. So, and it's episode two. <gasps> That oh my gosh. Wow. I'm excited. I'm super, I'm super excited for all this. And two people, mm -hmm. a little one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Wow. It's amazing. I love angel numbers. I'm super spiritual. I'm so into crystals and messages from the universe. So That is so funny. That's such a recurring theme on this show. Pretty much every guest I have has some kind of a connection to numbers, but... Anyways, we could we could go down that path all day long. We'll yeah. actually probably get into that a little bit later. But I think we should probably take it all the way back. Like, how did you become Rochelle Royale? <laughs> like, how, how did we get here? So my mother was in show business. She did um, movies and television, and she was Miss Los Angeles wow. um, as a, like, I think she was like 19 or 20, and then did movies and TV. And then she moved to the Bay Area and opened up three dance studios. So she was literally teaching and choreographing while I was in her stomach. So I, you know, was dancing before I was even born and um, grew up competing. We, we started our students at two and a half years old. So our competitive kids were on stage by the time they're three years old. Wow. So I was on stage, you know, as a toddler. Um, so that was just normal. And then we're from the Bay Area, so my mom choreographed the halftime shows at Candlestick Park, and we were really close with, like, the 49ers production team, and we were always on the field, and that was another big part of my childhood. And um, shout-out to my cousin Jeff Ulbrich, who was a 49er for shout 10 out. years. Yeah, number 53 linebacker. Wow. Um, so yeah, my mom really was the reason why I became a singer, dancer, actress. And mm -hmm. she was old school Hollywood, so she trained us kids that you have to do everything. When you go to an audition, you have to be able to do whatever they ask you and be prepared for anything. Which is hilarious because when I decided I wanted to do music, she was like, absolutely not. You're a dancer. I trained you. You know, she didn't know anything about the music industry. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of like a foreign idea to her. And for me, I was like, you know, by the time Britney came out, I was like, no, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do. This yeah. is ridiculous. Like, I don't want to be a backup dancer. I don't want to be a choreographer. I want to be up front. Yeah. And I started teaching at 14 years old. So I knew what it was like to be a teacher and a choreographer at a very young age, which is normal in the dance world kids start teaching and choreographing at a very young age. And, um, you know, like when you're a young teen, it's fun. But as I got older, competing was not fun for me anymore. By the time I was 17, I was... I can relate. Yeah. yeah. I did competitive cheer and yeah, same thing. 17, I'm like, mm, 
Mm -hmm. This is kind of taking over my life at this point. Yeah. And for me, it was like you show up to these conventions and competitions and everyone knows that you're the daughter of this person who owns this thing. And it's so much pressure. It's just like there was no joy in it for me anymore. Yeah. And it was always like to prove that I could win or whatever. And I think writing songs was just a place that I could go to to like emote and like get, yeah. you know, that Not was have my to be therapy. Because mm-hmm. I feel like dance, especially, is about perfection. Yes. You know, like pointed toes, perfect posture. Mm-hmm. If there's a hair out of place, then yeah, it's over. Yeah. 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 And also with dance, um, I, you know, junior year of high school, I was completely anorexic and totally obsessed with my body weight. And, you know, and it was because I hated competition so much that I wanted to control my weight so that I could, you know, feel like I was in control of something, which is a common theme with eating disorders and things like that. Um, yeah. So any of you who are dealing with that, I empathize. I totally understand. And um, it's BS. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm so yeah. glad that there's kind of a movement away from that these days. Mm -hmm. Like, girls don't necessarily feel that pressure of, like, I have to be 90 pounds. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. it's Times have changed in a good way, in that way, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's embarrassing to not have an ass or, like, to be too skinny. It's like, oh, God, I'm too skinny. Like, you know, it's not appealing. Um, So, yeah. But, yeah, music really became the love of my life just because that was my escape. And um, senior year of high school, I was singing for Radio Disney, and I got discovered, and I flew to Nashville and recorded my first EP. And I came back home, and my mom had used one of my songs for her senior team. And I was like, so does this mean that we're making amends? Like, does this mean that you're supporting me as a singer now? And she's like, well, the song is good. (laughs) I'll give you that. (laughs) The girls can dance to it. Yeah. So it's fine. (laughs) So I'm really glad I had that moment with her um, because I did end up losing her. In 2009, I lost my mom to suicide. And um, I talk about this publicly just because we have such a high rate of suicide now. It's such an epidemic. And my mom, no one knew how bad her depression was. She, I always compare her to like Robin Williams and Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade. Like she was such a powerhouse and so many people looked up to her and looked to her for guidance and for her to like change their lives, you know? And I think when you have that amount of responsibility, it's, It weighs on you. Yeah, and no one was taking care of her and, um, you know, the marriage and, like, I have two younger brothers and there was just so much turmoil, like, within the home outside of the dance studio stuff that, you know, people just have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Totally. They never do. And so how... So when you were dancing for your mom, you kind of went away to go do music Mm -hmm. and then you and your mom kind of had it seems like a little bit of a falling out and then and then you lost her like that's yeah that's really painful well and nashville was really traumatizing too because the person that discovered me he was in the christian music industry circuit and Mm -hmm. he was like a really bad person like he was he trying to push you to be a christian artist no there was a 15 year old that he had signed to and there was really dark nasty shit going on between him me and the other artist like he you guys there's no filter with me so we're just gonna talk (laughs) about it we're gonna get into it yeah Yeah. when you guys hear rumors about hollywood and how people like get molested or raped or whatever like that is true 
It really does happen. And this guy had a lot of power and he was, you know, doing that to me and these other artists. Like, you know, giving us an ultimatum, basically. Like, if we don't follow or abide by these weird, effed up rules that we weren't going to get a record deal. And... That, like, gives me full body chills. That mm -hmm. is disgusting. Mm -hmm. And it's... It's so it's so like upsetting to me to hear that you went through that and like so many other girls went through that too. So many and it's still happening. It's still going on. Yeah. And I just like if you are struggling or dealing with that, like please tell somebody. Like I was teaching at a dance studio in Nashville and the owner of the studio noticed that I was like off biting my nails and dropped a lot of weight and was acting weird and she figured out what was going on. Yeah. And she was the one to pull me out of that situation. Because when I told my mom, a lot of our parents are from an era where they don't have the tools to like help us or save us or even talk about the stuff that we're going through emotionally. Yeah. Um, so when I told my mom, my mom kind of made it seem like it was my fault. Wow. And... Now that she's gone, obviously, like, I don't blame her for that. But in the moment, you're just like, holy shit, like, no one's going to save me. Yeah. If my mom isn't, then who the hell is going to protect me from this? Um, so there's a lot of shame and guilt when you're a victim of stuff like that because people kind of don't believe girls when they tell their stories. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Especially, like, a teenage girl versus a super powerful music executive, you mm -hmm. know? It's like, yeah, wow. Yeah. So that was the beginning of music for me. And there's so many more stories. How did stories. you bounce back from that? Because that seems like a pretty dark start. Oh, my God. It's, there's, there's like three other stories that are connected to that that are just as bad. Yeah. And so, like, and I was 18. Yeah, I'm, I'm just honestly shocked that that didn't totally turn you off from music in general. Like, how did you keep going? I think that my mom had such a huge following that... I had this terror inside of me that if I didn't prove to everybody that I could make it, then I would die. Like, I had no identity if I didn't force myself to become something. Right. And it just never went away. It was like the race to prove that I could carry the torch for her. Mm -hmm. And since I was a child, you know, like, you hear it from everyone, like, you know Rochelle's going to become a star. And there were other kids, too, like Nick and Alessandra. Like, a few of her students have gone on to become pretty big time. Yeah. So there was that internal competition, too, with each other to, like, let's see who becomes famous yeah. first. And I think that that is deep, deep, deep-rooted programming. I never had a moment where I was like, maybe I should just live a normal life and quit. I feel I can really relate to that. Yeah, yeah. I've, I, I tried it for a second, but yeah, I, I immediately was like, no, I can't. Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's all, I think it's interesting that you say it's programming because I've been having those thoughts lately too. But it's also, I think, maybe a little bit of um, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like intrinsic. It's almost like you were probably a little bit born with it. Mm -hmm. Like there's probably been a little voice in your head since day one that's like, this is what I'm supposed to do, mm -hmm. you know? And we do have to, like, give credit to the gifts because, like, right. if we don't have entertainment, then 
we're not saving lives. Like, entertainment saves lives. Straight up. And so I do believe that we are inspiring people and saving lives, and that is our purpose yeah. on planet Earth. But at the same time, it's I've had plenty of people you know, come in and be like, are you okay? Are you sure you still want to do the Hollywood thing? Like, I've had plenty of people try to suggest that maybe I, you know, just... Should give it up. Yeah, yeah, or focus on therapy or whatever. But those people are like hippies living in the mountains, so... Yeah. I'm I'm glad you brought this up because that's something that's been going through my own head a lot lately too, Mm -hmm. especially in the past two years. I think living in LA has been... A struggle like mm-hmm. you know we've seen a lot of people come and go because there was a good solid year or so where everything went dead mm-hmm. and I know like I know you from red carpets like you're very social and how did you deal with that like how did you deal with everything kind of slowing I down? was so relieved because really? yeah a lot of people don't know about my side job but I was so grateful to quit mm-hmm. for a minute yeah. and just be at home. Yeah. Like, I, I'm i either working or, like, pretending like I'm having this full-time career, you know? Because it's like you have to fake it until you make it. And in right. the music industry, it's so expensive. Oh, my gosh. Especially as an independent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's really expensive. Like, just marketing your music and getting music videos done, like... You can be a great songwriter and a great singer, but all of the other shit costs so much money and it's mentally, it's just so much. So I was actually happy to just finally be able to lock my door and be at home and rest. Yeah. And then I was on live stream a lot, like on this app and they were paying me like a thousand dollars per whatever hours I streamed. Amazing. And so I would either like sing or dance or whatever. And it was just therapeutic for me. And I know that it was tragic for a lot of people, but for me, it was a relief. Yeah. And it, and it made me realize, like, thank God I have the performing arts and all these hobbies that I can do at home. Yeah. And I also got hired to write for this artist. Shout out to Vela. She's 17. She sounds like Janis Joplin. Wow. She's incredible. And so I was at home for two months, and then I was in the studio full time. So you really only had like two months to shut it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at yeah. least you had that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel the same way that it was a once in a lifetime probably opportunity for everyone to just like mm-hmm. take a breath and figure it out. But yeah, I mean, obviously, like we're saying shit's back up and running mm-hmm. and I'm sure you've been busy as hell since then. It sounds like you only had a couple months off. You know, I feel like. The world is ending, but we're still, like, kind of doing the Hollywood shit, and it's very bizarre. Like, I, it's... I totally agree. Mm-hmm. I totally, totally agree. Like, I know I met you through red carpets. I, ha- I don't really do that so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think I've been to one or two, and they're very much, like, the cameras are miles apart. Like, mm-hmm. you're, like, kind of, like, interviewing the talent like this. Like, mm-hmm. it's very, it is very dystopian in a lot of ways now. Yeah, I mean, the red carpet circuit is a little bit embarrassing. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's so not what it used to be. It's crazy. But, yeah, I, I just, I think that we have to remember that there is importance yeah. to what we're doing. And, you know, for me, like, I wanted to talk to you about bringing women together because 
I cannot believe how difficult it is. It is so hard to bring girls together and yeah. for them to love one another. Like, yeah. I'm talking about a network of women so that we can be like, hey, can you produce this song? Can you produce this show? Oh, like, fuck yes. Let's and do it. Like, I mean, what, I, however I can get involved or help, I would, I would love to. Right. And that's what I'm talking about right. is like mm-hmm. the network of women, not just like your core friends. Right. Like just the mentality of like, I can work with girls and it's not going to be a big problem. Right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I'm trying to go with this. And like Whitney Cummings, like I'm studying her like a hot because she's my favorite. Yeah. And she brings, she has five girls around her for her production team. Yeah. And she's making it a point to do that. And there's drama. It's yeah. not easy, but. I see what you're saying. Kind of pulling women from different, like you sing, I produce, mm-hmm. I write, and just kind of creating, like, a female, like, yeah. powerhouse. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to deal with, with like, the fucking weirdos mm-hmm. that will take advantage and be creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. I think that's a great idea. How, how, do, we, how do we do this? Okay. What can so we do? I have a couple of notes, mm-hmm. ladies. So, and this is such BS, but this is, like, etiquette. For your female friends, if you're going to take them out to events and then you're going to post a bunch of content. Let's hear it. Let's get the, the royal tips. Tag them, first of all. Don't ignore your girlfriends and just post a photo of you and, like, leave them out of the post. I like yeah. to include everyone in, like, and make sure that I'm promoting everybody. Right. Yes. A lot of people like to take advantage of the situation and just post themselves. hmm and forget about who invited yeah, you. Yeah, thank you so much for bringing me out. Okay, yeah. Valid. Be thankful. Like, Katy Perry used to write a thank you note to every single radio person that would play her song. Like wow. a handwritten note. You know, like, yeah. be grateful, be thankful, be appreciative. Don't take that stuff for granted because people aren't going to keep giving you that opportunity if you're not grateful or thankful. Yeah, you're so right. And then um, when you're posting photos and video... Like, make sure that it's approved by your friends. Like, don't post some gnarly, nasty, mm-hmm. unedited. Yeah. No, absolutely. Or, or don't just edit yourself. Mm-hmm. Has that ever happened to you before? Yes. I've had friends where they just edit themselves, and I'm over here like, look at all the... Like, right. What? Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm totally... I, I approve that message. Yeah. yeah. But you're not a nerd and you're not a dork for being respectful. Like, just be nice. Like, yeah. just include everybody and be nice. And you'll see, like, how people respond to that. Like, it's, you get such a better response when you're just respectful and, like, really grateful. Yeah. And um, I see a lot of, like, um, preciousness. Like, this is mine and you're not included. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's that Hollywood Illuminati shit. Like, I'm not going to tell you the secret. I'm not going to tell you how I did it. Yeah, gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. Gatekeeping. It's just knock it off. It's not worth knock it. Knock it off, ladies. Yeah. Well, you've already given us quite a little playbook here, <laughs> which is a perfect segue into our little game section, which I'm going to call story time. everyone gather around we're gonna do a little bit of a story time you released an ep a couple years back it was called the book of royale so we're gonna we're gonna instead of maybe like singing it we're gonna journal right like mental journal (laughs) what's the word i'm looking for we're gonna vocalize we're gonna vocalize Okay. okay so question number one if you were writing the book of royale what would you title this chapter of your life 
I already started writing the movie, y'all. <laughs> She's like, okay. I'm two steps ahead of you. Like, Tim Burton's gonna direct it. I want it to be shot like Sin City. Yeah. The story's so wild. Um, this chapter, though, like your your current chapter. Now? Yeah, what would you title it? I don't have time for your BS. Yes. That's what it's titled. Me, me too. Me too, absolutely. That's where I'm at in life as well. So we have the, the first chapter. Yeah. What picture of yourself would you use as the book cover? Of course, I would use one of the Sequoia Emanuel photos that I just shot with Sequoia Emanuel. Mm. Shout out to Sequoia. She is a powerhouse female photographer, and she just shot um, People's Choice Awards. Wow. She's killing it. She just shot Dita Von Tees and... Um, Ooh, I'm excited to see this. Yes. So that would be the book cover shot, 100%. Yes. Or you would just bring her in for like a separate book cover shoot. Okay. Yeah. Jot that one down, Sequoia. <laughs> um, okay. Is there a chapter of your life not many people know about? Have you ever worked an odd job or have a secret hobby that you've never really shared? Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear. <laughs> I want to hear about the secret life of Royale. I've been lying about it for, for years. <gasps> no one knows. You don't have to say if you don't want to. <laughs> um, it, well, like I mentioned before, my side job, right? Mm -hmm. I'll reveal that it is downtown LA. Okay. And it is a late night job. Okay, okay. Do you have any weird hobbies? I love to sew. I, I love to sew. rhinestone. I actually made this jacket. Did you? Yeah. Wow, you sewed the whole thing. I, is that connected? Like, or no, that's your dress. I sewed this. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, it kind of goes together. I mean, this is a little janky. This was last minute, but. Um, Wait, yeah, Hakeem, can we get a shot of the whole outfit? Because she just looks amazing head to toe. The boots are, are amazing too. <laughs> but growing up in a dance studio, we tend to like rhinestone everything. And I like to just put my own sauce yeah. on whatever I'm wearing. I love that. Sewing, um, what else? Um, Anything that we would never guess by looking at you? I learned how to shoot a gun. Really? Yes. That's a good skill. That's mm -hmm. a good life skill. I mean, if you're ever in that situation, like, now you know. Yeah. Well, and also for movies, like, I want to be an assassin. Yeah. Or, like, a detective or whatever. Um, like Bill mm -hmm. type shit. Yes. So, ladies, learn how to shoot. I own a 19 now. Yeah. Bang, bang. All right. <laughs> So we talked about this a little bit earlier, so I think I know what you're gonna say, but maybe I'm wrong. Which chapter do you think changed you the most throughout your life? I think losing my mom, yeah. definitely, to suicide. That was, it'll, for the rest of my life, it'll be the hardest thing to work through. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you didn't see it coming at all, or? No, I mean, her and I always had our issues, but I don't think anybody really expects. Yeah. I mean, unless someone's talking about it all the time. I, I myself have lost two really close friends to suicide, um, mm -hmm. back to back pretty much. And uh, they were friends. It kind of attacked like my whole friend group at one point. Like it was mm -hmm. like, and that's an epidemic too, which mm -hmm. is um, 
I don't know the exact word for it, but I, I think it's called like group suicides. It's like mm. when it starts to happen within a friend group. Yeah. And it's um, it's devastating. Like it, it forever changed me too. I mean, I can't imagine if it was my mom. That's next level. Like that is like the most painful thing. But I do relate to you. And like, I, I know what it's like. It's extremely painful. And it's first, I mean, for us too, like I was, I was like, no way. Like mm. that could not happen to these people who are like so full of life and happy, like driven, goal oriented. Like it was like, it's really, really scary how it can just in, in like a flash, like it's, it's, it's definitely like, that's a cause that's like special in my heart too. So, yeah, I feel like I, throughout the years, I've never been able to start a foundation or do the work within a foundation just because it's healing and then dealing with my two brothers has been so devastating yeah. that I feel like when I'm older I'll be able to dive into the work yeah. like the foundational work and like the public speaking um but that's also like my advice to anyone that's lost a loved one like this is like one day at a time mm-hmm. and whatever works for you for the self-healing and yeah you know the therapy and everything it's like everyone's so different how we heal from it and it's not linear yeah like I'm sure you have your days where it's just like you don't even really think about it and other days it just hits you like a train that's yeah so true it's really like yeah, and it's, it's never ending. Like, it's always going to be there. It's always going to be a part of you. But, yeah, I think finding ways to honor them and honor the memories and stuff, like, that's that's really all you can do. Yeah. I always talk to her, and, and like, she's, like, my Kris Jenner, like, up in heaven. And yeah. I'm like, let's do this, Mom. Like, <laughs> I feel like she's always, like, you know either yelling at me or helping me. Do you ever get any signs? Like- she comes to me in my dreams and I've had therapy about it because it's so intense. Like it's very like physically real, like wow. lucid. Uh-huh. And sometimes I have to ask her to not visit me because it's... It's too unsettling, yeah. Yeah, it takes me like two or three days to recover sometimes because she'll like walk into my apartment and just physically be there. And I can like touch her and I don't, I don't prefer those types of dreams it's too intense um but other people tell me that she comes to them as well so many people have stories with my mom visiting them have you gone to like a medium or anything absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. and she's come through and wanted to chat and stuff yeah um shout out to angela lavelle lovell angela lovell and um kimberly they both have um counseled me through the heavier encounters yeah um, Angela's like a medium clairvoyant, so she um, she had a reading with me, and it took her two days to get rid of my mom. It was like this heater on her chest. Wow! And um, her like witchy partner lady at the time <laughs> called her, and she was like, "Do you have an attachment on your body right now?" And she's like, "Yes." And she will not go away. Like, my mom is so invasive. Like, it's happened with a few different people Wow. in my life. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, it's interesting because it's like some people go to those situations and, like, they won't even come through. And your mom's like, no, I'm here to stay. She's here, yeah. (laughs) That is too funny. Well, I'm glad that you have had that experience at least and hopefully gotten a little bit of closure. Yeah. Um, Last question. 
We obviously can't see into the future, but if you could write the rest of your life story, describe the perfect ending. And I'm also gonna use this as a little bit of a, a manifestation moment, since mm -hmm. it is two, 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 two. Like, I kind of just want you to speak into the universe right now, like what you would, what you want. Okay. So I want like a huge hot pink mansion, yes. but like Kat Von D style. And like when you walk in, it's just like thousands of women like doing their own little like entrepreneurial job like within the company. Yes. So I just want to have a ton of women working together in this huge mansion and we just are like this magical team that like we can do music videos or TV shows or movies or whatever it is. and and we're just like happy and in our power and we all have our own money and our own, you know, and we're protected and safe yes. and just enjoying being performers and artists without like a man. A man, period. <laughs> Sentence ends there. Yeah. <laughs> and Grammys and Oscars. Right, and just kind of like lining the walls. Yeah. Yeah, I can see I love that vision for you and I, I hope it comes true. Thank you. I really do. Thanks. And now, I mean, we're in the present. The future sounds amazing, but what's going on right now? What have you been working on? I am going to get focused on the acting side of things mm -hmm. um, this coming year. Because I do want to manifest like real acting. I want to get into, I want to go take class and start auditioning. I hate auditioning. Yeah. Especially nowadays, because it's not like it used to be. Mm -hmm. I don't, guys, so just so you know, modern auditioning now is um, everything's at home. It's like, I, I do them down here with my little ring light, and I'm like, hello. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it's weird. It's, it's so Again, it's like the world is ending, and we're still trying to do this Hollywood stuff. Yeah, like, I'm going to shoot my own acting reel, and mm -hmm. I'm literally going to curate the characters that I want to play. Yeah. Because that's that's, that, that's a good tip, guys. I've never really heard that shared before, but that's a really good tip. If you're not getting the roles yourself, just make them up. Yeah, because when they see really you're real, that's what they're looking at is mm -hmm. who can she play, yeah. you know? And I'm not going to be the prostitute on CSI. <laughs> that's for damn sure. <laughs> that is where we draw the line. Yeah, no. Um, so I want to be the handler from the Umbrella Academy. I'm a boss. I'm a bitch and a boss and I shine like glass. I'm a bitch. I'm a boss. I'm a bitch and a boss and I shine like glass. Um, go watch that if you guys haven't seen that yet. <laughs> That's your like character yeah. on the vision board. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just strong female roles that are like yes. she's in charge. She's a boss. Whatever. Um, and then the music we have lighted up, which I just did with Sonic Beat Records, and that's a brand new video and brand new song. And the album's called Nova Pop, and I'm on like six songs on that album. Yeah. It's on Spotify. And then for me personally, it's Hooligans, Rules, Diamonds, and Please Her. And then my friends Ricky and Matt did the Please Her music video. You better please her. No, don't be rude, but you got to please her. Such a big mood, you love, give me paper. are so special to me because they know my insecurities and they, you know, were like just personally knowing me and then them helping me through like hating what I look like on camera and like mm. working with me through that whole process. Um, but I can relate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've had full out dance choreography in my past videos, but this video, I wanted the storyline to be two girls 
that are being protected by the two guys. Mm. Rather than like sexy, hot, we're dancing on each other and grinding. Right. I'm like, no, I want to showcase like gentlemen who know how to like make Ooh. sure that the girls are okay. I can't wait to watch this. Yeah. Me for Got me dripping in the diamonds. One last thing, um, House of Royale, the podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're going to, we're going to switch yeah. it up. You're going to be me. Yes. So um, she's a host too, guys. Yeah. And so we're going to get comedians to come on. As, uh -huh. Like, we're going to focus on comedians. Um, and I want Jessie Mae Peluso to be my first guest. Yeah. I'm such a fan of her. So when you bring the comedians in, like, what's your goal from the show? What do you want? Um, just to, like chop it up or because in the past when I've interviewed actresses um it's very like safe mm -hmm. and they have a hard time cross have, crossing the line yeah they have media training they have like their little anecdotes that they know that they're yeah. supposed to include promote peace out yeah. yeah and I want people who are gonna talk shit and like talk about the real yeah and just no filter. Yeah. So comedians give you that. That's true. And yeah. honestly, yeah, musicians, it's a mixed bag. Like, I really do appreciate you coming here and, like, being so open and sharing your story and just being an amazing guest. Thank I had you. so much fun. Me too. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Season 2, Episode 2. You can watch this on Spotify. We're on YouTube. Of course, you can watch us at MikeDropMusic.com. And we'll be back here next week.